In the morning, when you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The Packers beat the Rams 24 to 12. How did this happen? How can you beat Baker Mayfield? It's unbelievable. How can you do this? Baker had too much time with I was the offense. He had too much time to read this playbook. He only threw for 111 yards, which is approximately how much he threw for on the final drive against the Raiders as well. Um, so the Raiders, as of right now, with three weeks left in the season, the only team to lose to Baker Mayfield's Rams and the only team to lose to Jeff Saturday's Colts. And the Raiders are not eliminated from the playoffs yet either. No. <laughs> uh, the Packers, in a very similar spot as the Raiders, they're 6-8, and eight, and their playoff chances are alive. Do you have any faith that the Packers can catch? They The Packers would have to pass um, the Seahawks. The Packers would have to catch the Commanders to make it. And the Lions. They have to catch the and Lions the as Lions? well. Yeah, oh, they're lot. not catching the Lions. They are They are a game behind the Lions and the Seahawks, but neither one of those teams are in a playoff spot right now. And they're a game and a half behind, behind the, the Commanders, Commanders who are in the last playoff spot. So they've got to pass those three teams to get into the postseason. Only a game or a game and a half back with three to play. Can we kick the Buccaneers out of the playoffs? Yeah, that that's the uh, pathetic For who, part. though? For the Lions. I, I mean, want Dan Campbell. Yes. I mean, yes, I agree we the Lions Dan are Campbell. more fun, but like they're seven and seven. It's not like we're talking about a ten and seven. I mean, I guess they could end up ten and seven. We're not talking about a ten and seven team missing the playoffs. At the end of the day, we're gonna be talking about an eight and nine bucks in the playoffs and a nine and eight Lions the, not in the playoffs. Got the Bengals next, so I don't I don't know. Could the could the Buccaneers technically actually could the Saints leapfrog the Buccaneers? They all, they're all a game behind the Bucks. All three teams behind the Bucks are one game back All with right. three to play. It's entirely possible. What's that one guy's the name? The Panthers could make the playoffs after firing Matt Rule. Ritter? Riddle? Desmond Ritter, who threw yeah. for like nine yards. Okay, let's go. <laughs> get, get the Falcons in. They end. Oh, how about this? This is what we want to see. The Packers, well, they're at Miami, home to the Ken Doll in Minnesota, but end with home versus Detroit. That could be for it. That could wow. be it. Miami and and Minnesota, they probably won't win those two no, games. At, so they probably won't be in position to do so. But maybe, maybe if they did win them, they'd be eight and eight going into that final game. Oh, would, I want to see would, that. I want to see Detroit against that, them. That could be a legitimate winner goes to the playoffs yes. type of game. So that would be fun. And by the way, the way the NFC standings look right now, the Packers would then play the Vikings in the first round of the playoffs in that scenario, which would be a ton of fun. If Aaron Rodgers eliminated this Vikings team from the playoffs. He should retire right then. We shouldn't even play the rest of the postseason. Should just retire then, and he gets a permanent like NFC North champion crown for, <laughs> to just retire with and keep in his home. I didn't get like hitting the balls, but like, what was that? Uh, that would be Christian Pulisic. What huh? did he say? I didn't get like hitting the ball. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Pelicans last night, 128-119. The Pelicans fell from second to fourth in the West after that loss. It's pretty close. The Bucks remained in first. Giannis went for 42-10 last night. Uh, Brooke Lopez also had 30. But here's what I thought was most interesting about that game. Even though the Pelicans lost, 
Zion Williamson had seven assists and Jonas Valanciunas had 37 points and he hit seven threes because here's what the Bucs did. And they do this to pretty much everybody. The Bucs don't want to give up layups more than any team in the right. league. The Bucs are taking away layups. Zion is right there with Giannis among like guys that are most or best at getting to the rim and getting layups. The Bucs just overhelped every time Zion drove. He'd kick it out and Jonas Valanciunas, a center that shoots threes, would take an open three because Brooke Lopez was running into the paint. I'm curious to see if the Pelicans can effectively build a team the same way the Bucks did and if it can be good in the postseason. Yeah. You basically have a superstar player who is unbelievable at getting to the rim, so good that teams are going to commit to stopping that, get a center and three other guys that can shoot and just beat teams with the simplest thing possible. Big man drives, and if you don't double, he dunks. If you do double, you get an open. Jonas three. went for 37, 18, and 5. Yeah, incredible game from him. And a lot of it came from the Bucks saying, Zion's not getting a layup against right. us. So they lost the game, but because they couldn't stop Giannis, not because of anything on the offensive end. <laughs> Looks like they couldn't stop Brooke Lopez. That too. That, that's not helpful when Brooke Lopez goes for 30. But uh, I, I'm curious to see if the Pelicans are basically can build a team in the same mold as the Bucks. As a Bucks fan, I will say... The group chat was not happy when we got Brooke Lopez, and since then, every time has been like, "Hey guys, Brooke, he's Brooke's one of like done, Brooke's done real good. He's one of the like most important fits that they could have gotten. I yeah, but it still was. I had seen him do nothing elsewhere. Uh, by the way, right now Zion Williamson has played twenty five games at thirty three minutes per game. He he is healthy. He is playing basketball. He's the, he's, and they didn't have Brandon Ingram. They did not. That is true. That is accurate. They did not have Ingram yesterday. But uh, Zion Williamson, we are not having any injury concerns at the moment. Hopefully that stays true for the entire season. Mama didn't raise no uh, wuss. Aiden Robbins is transferring to BYU. UNLV running back led the team with over 1,000 rushing yards in 2022. He transferred into UNLV from Louisville, by the way, now transferring again to BYU. I thought there was a chance with Bobby Petrino they were going to kind of hang on to these guys. Now, is it Kyle Williams? Yes. He is receiver. not He is not announced yet. Yeah. Um, I think Doug Brumfield's still tweeting at him like every yeah. day to come back. But I think <laughs> I thought Aiden Robbins might stay as well when you signed a kind of discussed Bobby Petrino and the offense and all that. I thought they might have a chance for him to stay instead of going somewhere else. I think if you're a running back, I wonder if B how much BYU promised him playing time. Because if you're a running back, it's probably like, a lot. Like you're you're basically going somewhere where you're you know you're gonna play. Right. Because probably it's, a lot. It's, it's not wide receiver where three guys can be on the field for pretty much every snap. It's you you've gotta be the guy. And I wonder if how much BYU said, Oh yeah, you're our starter. Right. And if it, here's the thing, if BYU said, Hey, you're our starter, I'm leaving UNLV too. Like I if any if any school that's in the power conference level or whatever the hell you want to consider BYU right now. I'm yeah. I'm if they promise me, yeah, you're the starter. I'm gone. Even I don't care who you and I'll be just hired. Yeah, I got a couple of years to do this, and in all honesty, get drafted. I mean, that's I don't know if Aiden Robbins has actually has an NFL future, but you're more likely to prove it at BYU or a higher level than UNLV. So I'd be gone too. I'm about to install Tinder. I'm so thirsty. Who the hell was that? Uh, that'd be one of our voice guys, Kevin. <laughs> And he made the mistake of leaving in some uh, mess-ups. <laughs> Desiree Reed Francois stole Don Sullivan 
from UNLV. So here's what happened. Desiree Francois, when she was the AD at UNLV, hired Don Sullivan to be the volleyball coach. Don Sullivan and the volleyball team have been excellent. The last three years, they've gone to the NCAA tournament twice. They also won the what's effectively the NIT of women's volleyball. Those are the last three years. And now Desiree Francois, who left to go to Missouri, has stolen her and like hired her at move? Missouri. I mean, coming back and taking away uh, a coach that you hired from your old school? Absolutely. Yeah. She nailed the hire. You look back at all I mean, the hires Don Sullivan's she's made. great coach. Yeah, probably the best, most successful one she's um, made. Yes. I mean, Otzelberg is probably the best coach at yeah. his sport, but did she didn't happen here. Did she hire Lindy LaRock? Did, she did. So those are her top two for sure. Don Sullivan won an NCAA tournament game, so she gets the nod over Lindy LaRock right now. So those are the best two, which, by the way, I don't know how the Missouri women's basketball team is, but watch out if they <laughs> suck this year. Lindy LaRock might be in Missouri pretty soon. <laughs> Kevin Kruger, they'll all go. Uh, and and, and I, I understand the question. Aaron Judge hit a 60-second home run, and that baseball sold over the weekend for $1.5 million. The record for a home run ball sale is still Mark McGuire's 70th home run, which sold for $3.05 million. Yeah, the guy who had, uh, I believe the guy who had the judge ball was offered three, and he said, no, I'm going to auction. And only got 1.5. Ouch. Does hurt a little bit. Um, Who's the dummy that bought that Aaron Judge home run ball, though? For $1.5 million. Like, I don't understand... I don't know. I don't understand what you... What, first off, what do you was do with Maris's that? Was kid? <laughs> he was there at every game. So, I don't understand what you are doing with it. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to display it in my house. $1.5 million baseball. But, like, what are you going to... You're going to have to tell people, oh, this is the American League home run yeah. record, and I consider it the real home the real run, run record, record. Because Mark McGuire... Because, yeah, all those other guys were on steroids. They all juice. And 62 was clean. You're like, you're going to have to give that explanation, explanation every, every time, time. somebody yes. walks in your house and asks, why is there a baseball on your wall? Right. Well, I spent over a million dollars on it. Like, that just seems stupid. I just think buying any of these for that much money is well, stupid. Yeah. Just to wa- look at oh a baseball. God. Who bought McGuire's for $3 million? Yeah. What are you doing? What a terrible investment that was. Barry Bonds hit more than that. Like, unbelievably stupid. What are you freaking out about, Jared? Okay, I got us an update on uh, something we were talking about at uh, 7.45. A sousaphone. A single sousaphone. $13,189. And according to one of my sources, the school owns the instruments. Okay. So we were talking about that uh, during the break. Is Who that on Amazon? No, this is this is on just a music, a, a music instrument catalog website. $13,000. Oh, I'm sure you can find one for 15 bucks. 15? No, okay, maybe not 15 bucks, but I'm sure you can find a, a, a cheap one. But not if you got to go play in a band. Not if you got to be marching across the field. You got to have the best equipment. A student tuba will regularly cost $5,000, and professional tubas can go anywhere from 8000 to 15000 Would you have to charter a plane for the band? Yeah, like can you ex- that, can you expect the all the kids to? <laughs> no, carry all right, everybody, get on frontier. Have, like, like the luggage is pretty plus? brutal, and the luggage is going to be brutal. Like because all their instruments, you're taking obviously you're taking clothes and yeah. everything you take on a normal trip, but then 
Oh yeah, I got my instrument. That's the biggest thing on the plane. Well, you're checking all those, aren't you? Yeah, but like, well, have you seen those videos of those guys throwing those bags? <laughs> That's why I think you might charter and say, "Hey, yeah, be careful with these." We're gonna charter, and this giant guy that we hired is gonna watch you put those in like Tetris Actually, pieces. No, no, no. I got, I got it. I got it. I got it. The kids in the band fly Frontier. The instruments get their own charter plane. Like the uh, Saudi prince who uh, booked out a, the entirety of first class for just his pet hawks. Yeah, you you the, if you're in the, <laughs> the band, instruments are in the seat. You actually you get to the airport. They take you out on the tarmac where you know you get on your private plane, but you just take your instrument <laughs> up and put it in a seat and buckle it in. Then you get the hell off. Well, and go check in through normal security and get on a frontier flight to Texas. They might be the most valuable things so if they're going for that much money. Probably are. It's it's they should actually have like the football teams have the equipment trucks. The yes. band needs a damn equipment yes, truck. Yes, exactly. These things are, like, if you loaded up all the football equipment on a truck and all the band equipment on the truck, the band truck is more valuable than the football truck. Absolutely. There's no, what are shoulder pads aren't costing $13,000. What, what do you think the odds are there is a band truck? They did, Boise didn't okay. send them to Texas, so not very high at this point. I mean, I'm kind of now curious. It's like, what, it was like, what if it is, no, we were going to send the band truck gas plus insurance. Not ideal there. All right, coming up next, Gardner Minshew's going to start a football game. Mayfield, silent count, in the gun. Three to his left, one to his right. Sets his feet and fires, end zone, leaping catch, Tyler Higby! Rodgers now in the shotgun, Dylan to his left, Jones to his right. Now Jones motions wide to the left, quick toss, Jones left side, gets the block from Watson, cuts it back, ends up, Back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Coming up at 8.30, Charles McDonald is going to join the show. We're also going to have tickets to give away to go see Iggy Pop a little bit later. Uh, This segment might simply just be for Jared. Uh, Jalen Hurts is possibly, probably going to miss this weekend's game against the Cowboys. He has a sprained throwing shoulder. It's going to be a Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Oh, is Gardner Minshew going to be He's Nick He's going to take him to the Super Bowl. So Gardner Minshew is the backup uh, outside of people with the last name Minshew. I think the biggest Minshew fan in the country is Jared. And I literally read one piece on Gardner Minshew, and I went, brother, He when he showed up as a transfer student at, I want to say, Washington State, he met up with the people he was supposed to meet up with for like, orientation and he pulled a full bottle of whiskey out of his jorts uh, and just took a slug off it and went, so where's student housing this offseason he uh lived in a van. van that he parked outside of a his trainer's gym and just slept in the van and showered, showered outside of the van Never took and always showered with clothes on, apparently, and just was like, I'm working out at the gym. This is my life for two months or something like that. Uh, Gardner Minshew is special. I'm excited to see him play football, too. Um, but I don't think you're getting a Nick Foles story, Jared. I think he throws better than Nick Foles. He probably is. I mean, he probably is better than Nick Foles. Would you, depending on how severe the shoulder is, uh, would you hold him out until the playoffs or would you risk, you know, maybe losing the lead? Uh, so here's what the Eagles situation is. They are three games ahead of Dallas with three to play. If they beat Dallas, 
it's over. They clinch the division. But if they win any of their last three games, or if Dallas loses any of their last three games, then it's over. The Eagles win the division. The one seed in the NFC, which obviously they're playing for because they currently hold it, uh, they are two games ahead of the Vikings with three to play, but they hold the tiebreaker over the Vikings because they beat them, which means if I'm the Eagles, I need one win to clinch mm-hmm. the yeah, one seed or one Vikings loss to clinch the one seed. So if you're Philly right now, you look at the last three games and you say, if we win one of the last three, we're the one seed no matter what, or... If Minnesota and Dallas each lose one game, we're the one seed no matter what. Jalen Hurts is not touching the football field until either the playoffs or if I get to week 18 and I haven't clinched the one seed, I might play him in that scenario. Depending on how bad it is. But there is no chance I'm putting Jalen Hurts on the field this week against the Cowboys or the following week. No chance. The, The odds that they don't get the one seed right now, even if Jared started at quarterback, are so small that I'm not putting Jalen Hurts out there. He's either got to be 100% or I've got to be at risk of losing the one seed. And because I uh, play defense, I would at least do better whenever one of these happens. To Chandler Jones in midfield, (laughs) So they get at Dallas, and then they're home if they have to win one of the last two, New Orleans and the Giants. Yes. Okay. There, I have 77 cents in my checking account. There is a $74.99 Gardner Minshew Eagles jersey. That That's worth an overdraft fee, right? <laughs> <laughs> Buy the jersey instead for like 30 bucks. Well, that's the thing. They don't have They oh, don't have yeah, a jersey. Okay. okay. The official team website doesn't have it. I'm buying this off a of bootleg. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, I'm not playing Jalen Hurts. I'm playing Gardner Minshew. And and to be honest, even if you get to week 18 and you, you still might not get the one seed, I might consider starting Minshew again. Because the other part of this, I don't want to say this in front of Jared, Gardner Minshew is pretty good. Like, as far as backup quarterbacks go, Gardner Minshew's probably the best, one of the best, and probably should be starting somewhere for another team. What the hell are the Panthers doing, right? Like, right, Gardner right. Minshew should be starting for some teams. And there's no reason to think that they wouldn't beat the Saints. That they, hell, they'll they'll probably beat the Cowboys with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Uh, it's not a trap game. <laughs> this is a real game. This they finally a real, got a real right. game. They're, but, finally, I mean, they're finally playing a real game. Yeah, but they're coming off a trap game, they so it's, it might be they might loss. be overlooking. Exactly. Well, that could be true. <laughs> so here's a question for you: Who's the best team in the NFL? The Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Um, I should have said them. I said them a lot last year. You don't have to go back to them. I mean, you can't. No, I will say the to. Kansas City Chiefs. So, all right, going by EPA, which is expected points added. Uh, the Eagles, Bills, and Chiefs are the top three offensive teams in expected points added on offense. Uh, Kansas City has a pretty significant lead, though, over the other two. But those three teams defensively, Philly's fifth overall, Buffalo's ninth, and Kansas City is 19th. The Eagles are the best all-around team in the NFL. They have a very good defense. They have a very good offense. Their offense, unlike the Bills and Chiefs, has a good running game as well, right? The Bills and Chiefs don't actually run the ball particularly well. Um, Buffalo and Kansas City are basically 
They're really good passing offenses. That's that's what they are. But my thought on this, the most important thing in the NFL is the passing offense. And I am going to take Patrick Mahomes over Josh Allen and over Jalen Hurts at doing mm-hmm. the most important thing in the sport better than them. And I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. Because the other part of this, and I, this might be unfair to the rest of the teams in the league, Kansas City hasn't exactly looked good like three weeks in a row here. Yeah, they keep no, winning. They keep, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. keep winning. Like it, it feels like they are sleepwalking through right. the current portion of their schedule. That's why we said the last game here against the Raiders, if they're locked in and the Raiders win their next two, and if they're locked in, everyone's like, oh, they can't be the Chiefs. Yeah, they can. If the Chiefs are locked into their spot. they will. I don't think they will be, though. Well, so you I mean, still it, think it, they're playing for the one at that point? Yeah. Because well, if they're playing for the one at that point, then right. the Chiefs should probably come here. Because they're even... Because the problem for Kansas City is they lost to Buffalo. And Cincinnati. Right. Yes. Like, their their tiebreaker scenario is brutal. Bad. Where if they finish tied with Buffalo, Buffalo's ahead of them. They finish tied with Cincy, <laughs> Cincy's ahead of them. So it's almost, almost guaranteed they're going to be playing for something. It might not even be the one, right? If they lose a game here, they might be playing for the two to hold off Cincinnati. So I, like... It's nice to think, oh, the Raiders could get the Chiefs not playing for much, but it seems pretty unlikely that they will be completely locked into their seating because they could very easily fall behind Buffalo or Cincinnati because they lost those games and have, don't have the tiebreakers. Didn't Chad Henney have a uh, huge play against the uh, Raiders one year, like two years ago? A huge play or a huge game? No, no, huge play, because I'm pretty sure what happened was Patrick Mahomes dislocated his kneecap and then they popped it back in there, and but... <laughs> While he, they were popping it back in, Chad Hitty like ran for 13 yards, and everyone was like, all right, so the Raiders just can't tackle. <laughs> uh, hey, they got rid of uh, Jonathan Abrams, so maybe they can tackle now. Uh, we also didn't get to this yesterday, which was unfortunate, but uh, Bills fans throwing snowballs at Dolphins players. The refs had to make an announcement saying there would yeah, be a 15-yard penalty, penalty if they kept doing it. Uh, should that be against the rules? I don't know. It was kind of funny when the cameraman got hit. <laughs> I mean, he's got he's got a big coat on, so he was fine. It's not like it hit him in the head or anything, but uh, kind of funny. I don't my, know if it should be against the rules. So here is my two favorite parts. Uh, one, Mike Pereira is stealing money because... What'd he say? Mike, they bring on Mike Pereira to ask him, what can the referees do? about the snowballs being thrown. And Mike Pereira starts to say, well, there's not much they can do. And as he's saying that, the PA announcer, you can hear in the background saying, "Uh, if there are any more snowballs thrown on the field, there will be a 15-yard penalty against the Bills. So Mike Pereira, no clue what's happening at any point. This is the official saying this, or is this the announcer? This is the television rules analyst that comes on. I know who he is. I'm saying who in the background was saying this. It was the PA announcer. The ref somehow told the PA announcer to to announce this to the crowd. Yes, yes. Mike Pereira, by the way, what's he doing? He used to be, if I'm not mistaken, a long time ago before he went to the NFL and became kind of this famous guy. I'm pretty sure Mike Purr at some point was the same thing for the Mountain West Conference. Every I'm time he certain. talks, I don't think he's he says the opposite of what's about to happen. I did find it I did find it funny that the broadcast of the Raiders game, I was watching the guy goes, Yeah, this is getting overruled. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> the ruling on the field stands. Yes. 
on the touchdown? Yes. Yeah. It's the a, amount of times that I they bring in the rules expert to immediately get contradicted. Yeah. Like it happened. It happened in the Monday night game. There's where... got to be a producer sitting there going, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! I almost got the I got the ref walking. Yeah. Get him to talk now." Like in the Monday night game, Washington got called for Terry McLaurin not being on the line of scrimmage. Right. Right. When right. and. And then there was no pass interference call on clear pass interference on the very next play. And the rule, I don't remember the name. The rules analyst, the guy, I think it's, is it Terry McCauley, who does the ESPN games, comes on. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't have called that on Terry McLaurin. And he's like, yeah, that's clear pass interference. Yeah. Like back-to-back plays that basically cost commanders a chance to tie that one. He was like, oh, yeah, they missed this. Like they got like the amount of times that refs on the field and refs that the TV uh, crews hire don't have the same opinion on a play is astounding. Well, and we were saying in the press box, I think I said it yesterday, on the um, Keelan Cole one, when they look at it more than a minute, they're not overturning it. Yeah. They're looking for something. They're, they're trying to uphold their guy's call. If they come out in under a minute, they'll they'll overrule it. But All once right. it got to like four or five well, minutes, yeah. we're sitting there saying, Adam Hill was sitting there and, and just saying, there's just no way they're overturning it. What I always enjoy is that it's uh, it's call reversed, Call stands are call confirmed, where they literally are saying, "Oh, that we got to go to break." That's to, not to cut you off. That's the other thing Mike Pereira did. He Matt Leinert uh, was the color analyst, and Leinert said something like, "Oh, I think they'll just say this play stands because it's too close to call." And Mike Pereira came in and said, "There's no such thing as play stands. It's either confirmed or overturned." I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Okay, we do have to go to break. Charles McDonald next. <laughs> we were in like a, in a desperado situation where we know that there was, there was zero time left on the clock. I think I saw Jacoby uh, kind of spine up to throw it back. You know, I was just trying to look for the nearest guy, and, and Matt Jones was right there. And uh, I kind of just went up there and got it and broke a tackle and scored. When I caught it, at first I was thinking, who's around me? And I felt myself stumble a little bit after the stiff arm. And then I was thinking, who do I pitch it to? I was just trying to, you know, keep the ball alive. And so when I stayed up, I just turned the Jets on, and the rest was history. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. You can follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. Read his work at Yahoo Sports. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. All right, Charles, uh, you get to choose one quarterback that has to tackle Chandler Jones. Who are you picking? One quarterback that has to tackle oh, Josh Allen, for sure. Uh, <laughs> he might like it's about the same size. It's about the same size as Chandler Jones. He might be... Might be faster at this point, so uh, that that would be uh, that would be my my pick. Uh, I just I just don't know how Mac Jones like. How, what do you what do you say? Like <laughs> your teammates, I, I, obviously. I, I think I think the, the biggest screw up there was Ramondre Stevenson because that clearly that that play was clearly just gets you to overtime. I think he got a little farther than he was expecting to go, and uh, and tried to make some magic happen. And then once he, once you throw the first lateral, all hell breaks loose because. Uh, it, it's just such a it's such a mind scramble. Like you, you think Jacoby Myers thinks that okay, we're about to head into overtime. All of a sudden, I have the ball in my hands. All right, well, shoot, I'm gonna try to make a play. Uh, did he make the wrong play? Of course, of course he did. Of course he made the wrong play. Uh, I think Jonathan Jones from CBS said that he ended up throwing the ball like 25 yards back across the field, uh, which is which is you know essentially halfway across the football field into the arms of Chandler Jones. But then Mac. You got to do something here. Like, you, 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 I, I understand it's, it's a big weight difference, it's a big strength difference, but uh, it's better to go down as a dirty player than a weenie. And you got <laughs> you got stiff arms into oblivion. Like, just kick him in the nuts or something. Like, it, it it's better to take that 15 yard penalty for tripping than it is to just give him an unimpeded pass to the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> 
And people were saying to me, oh, well, you know, he could. Like, if uh, if Vac gets the penalty there, then they're still kicking a field goal. But he could miss. I know Carlson's a good kicker, but he could miss. It's, it's an odds game at that point. And uh, you have to tell me that I don't know how Mac Jones walks back into that locker room with any modicum of respect. <laughs> oh, poor Mac Jones. <laughs> I feel bad for him. I feel bad. I, I do I enjoy the idea that uh, kicking him in the nuts to get him down would lead to a field goal attempt, but that would be so much better for Mac Jones than what actually happened. Like it just look, it's an, it's, it's an odds game. Like I, Taylor Jones is a pre- professional athlete. Uh, he's, he's if he if he has a straight line pass to the end zone and no one's in front of him, he's going to score a hundred percent of the time. But if I can get it down to like a ninety-five percent chance on a field goal, when you were playing, or even just now when you when you're covering the NFL. How many times have you seen a player rewarded in the way Chandler Jones was for not trying? Because the reason Chandler Jones was able to catch that is because he did not chase the play, and he was the only one that did not chase the play. Um, it's not often. Uh, I mean, I have to say that that's one of the few times where it kind of works out because, uh, look, I'm, I'm sure Chandler Jones was caught off guard by – the ball coming back his way. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, it really makes no sense to to try and do that at that point because even where Ramondre Stevenson was when he threw the ball, I, I think he still had a good, like, 40 yards to go until the end zone. So why not just go down and see if you can make something happen in overtime? Uh, I, I really can't. I, look, I, I don't blame Chandler Jones for not chasing the play. It doesn't really make sense to. Like, you, you imagine that you're about to go – uh, into overtime, you might be on defense first. Like, let's conserve our energy here. And then uh, he just happened to be right at the right spot at the right time, uh, thanks to the wrong move on his part and Jacoby Myers' part. Uh, and he got to be the hero for kind of just doing nothing and, and being in the right spot. Uh, I can't really imagine, like, a time with, with the whole play, but the part where Chandler Jones is just, Oh, I guess I'll just wait until overtime. Oh, wait, I have the ball. Oh, wait, I have a touchdown. Uh, no, I, I can't really think of any moments like that. All right. Do you play Jalen Hurts the rest of the, le- rest of the season? Um, No. I mean, at, at least sit him this week. Uh, I mean, the, the odds that you lose out on on anything that you're chasing at this point are, is pretty slim. Um, and honestly, I think that, you know, the Cowboys might be a tough test for sure because I, I – even with the collapses they've had the past couple of weeks, I still think they're uh, one of the best teams in the league and a legit Super Bowl contender. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's not really worth it to me to get past the Cowboys this weekend at the risk of losing Jalen Hurts like for the entire playoffs because uh, that's when it matters. And the Eagles, they're, they're set up in a way where they can probably win a game or two without Hurts. The offensive line is still great. Uh, the defense is good. They got two stud wide receivers. I mean, this is kind of one of those perfect situations where it's like, obviously, we need Jalen Hurts to kind of get the most out of our entire offense. But if we need these guys to just carry the load for a game or two, that's something that these guys are absolutely capable of. So I, I really wouldn't really, I, w- I wouldn't really be pressed to try to get him back into the lineup until uh, he's as healthy as he possibly can be for a postseason run. Uh, I'm cheering for the repeat of the Eagles last Super Bowl quarterback is in the MVP conversation gets hurt late in the season team is still really good. You go to a backup Nick Foles. Now it's Gardner Minshew and you still win the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, you lost me at the Gardner Minshew part. Cause I, I, <laughs> look, I, there, there has been no NFL phenomenon that I have understood less than like the hype that Gardner Minshew got. Oh, he's got a must, he's got a mustache. He wears jorts. Okay, it's not that cool. Like I don't, I don't, I don't get it. It's like people just talking about he's this awesome figure, and I, I figured that if he wins the Super Bowl, it'll really, really get out of control. So uh, I'm hoping that Jalen Hurts gets back in here. Don't need Gardner Minshew winning the Super Bowl on a stacked team because uh, I fear for the narratives that will hit our great sport. <laughs> you have offended uh, Jared. He is the number one Gardner Minshew fan on the planet. That's fine. I understand that I'm kind of an island on this with this take, but I, I really don't get it. I don't. I don't think he's that cool. I'm sorry. Do you are you a believer in the Bengals six straight? Can they win the AFC? Yeah, I think I think in, in certain ways this team is a, a better product than what they were last year. Um, because I thought last year when uh, they were kind of on this run around this time last year in December, uh, a lot of it was just. You know, we're playing against decimated defenses, and I think Joe Burrow threw for like almost 600 yards against the Ravens last year, like basically the practice squad defense. And, uh, you know, I was worried when they got to the playoffs, like, okay, well, how does this look like against more established teams? And quite frankly, the defense kind of carried them to the, the Super Bowl. But this year, uh, especially on offense, they look like um, a more cohesive unit, I would say. I think Zach Taylor has gotten a lot better as the team has gone along in terms of just diversifying the offense and making things a little bit easier on the playmakers. And that uh, on defense, Lou, uh, I call him Lou Amaretto Sauer because I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, <laughs> but the, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, he's, he's quietly been one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, which is pretty funny because he was like their fourth choice for the job when uh, they were trying to get people to come take it and nobody would. But uh, they, to me, they seem like a more, you know, grown-up version of the team that made the Super Bowl last year. Of course, it's hard to predict that any team will get there because the NFL playoffs are so random. But uh, I, I think that this Bengals team absolutely should be taken seriously as a contender. And uh, they're probably right up there with the Chiefs and Bills in terms of teams that can actually get there from the AFC. Are you uh, even more depressed as a Falcons fan after seeing Desmond Ritter throw for less than 100 yards in his first start? No, I was kind of expecting that. I was the, the part that upset me the most was, you know, you finally he, he finally starts to get into a groove like in the second half and uh, on the final drive of the their last real drive of the game, I should say. You know, you you get a clutch fourth down throw to get you in field goal range down three uh, with two minutes left in the game, and Drake London fumbles it away. So uh, the the actual passing total was whatever because I wasn't expecting to play all that well. First start on the road against a good defense in a in a huge rivalry game. Wasn't really expecting much, but uh, when he finally did start to pick it up, they squandered his uh, his only chance, which was which is tough to see. And uh, it doesn't get much easier with the Raiders with the Ravens uh, this week at Baltimore. I think it's supposed to be like ten degrees on Saturday. So, uh, Desmond, I I, I I'm, I'm fine giving him the starting quarterback role for next year, but I don't expect that. You know, this is going to look all that pretty up until the end of the season. Uh, Cam McCormick is a tight end that plays for the Oregon Ducks, and he has been granted an eighth and ninth year of eligibility. Would you have wanted to be on a college football team for nine years? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Look, I I get it. I'm sure spending a, a, a decade in college almost is... Yeah, maybe that sounds fun for some people, but you know, it's funny. One of my group chats, we we, we make jokes that uh, 
all these guys with the COVID years who are getting like their sixth or seventh year in college with medical retro situations. And, you know, don't you just want to get a job at some point? Like, like it's, <laughs> it, it, it's fine. It's fine. It is what it is. But when you're, you're, you're 27 years old and you see your teammate who's 18 and just went to prom, it's going to make you feel a little, a little, little strange. I don't know. I, I, I would have been out a while ago. He is Charles McDonald. Again, follow him on Twitter at Four Birds. Charles, as always, Great we stuff. appreciate it. All right, see ya. Uh, so there's Charles McDonald on the NFL. Uh, coming up next, we find out if Ed is sad about Justin Turner leaving the Dodgers. We start this show with some breaking news. After the completion of the game tonight, we were informed by Major League Baseball that Justin Turner received a positive COVID test. That's why he was removed from the game. We have no other details at this time. We'll continue, though, to report on this developing story. Obviously, we hope Turner's okay and that everyone else is okay that's been around Turner. But there you go. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Ed. Would you rather have Justin Turner or J.D. Martinez? Uh, oh, at this point in their career, kind of a wash, but as good as a locker room guy is, uh, Justin Turner. Kind of the leader of that uh, of that room. I think I'd rather have Justin Turner. I think I'd rather have him defensively. Um, he can do both. J.D. Martinez has played, what, 28 games in left field in the last 42 years? <laughs> 42. So um, <laughs> I'd rather have Justin Turner. I don't know why... Uh, they went away from him uh, over J.D. Martinez. I, I kind of still question that. Um, I don't know what Justin Turner wanted as a deal. Um, I don't know how much money he got from the Red Sox, but uh, a little surprised they went to J.D. Martinez for the D.H. Obviously, once they did, then Justin Turner was gone because they can't both be D.H. So the Dodgers and Red Sox are effectively trading Turner and Martinez. J.D. Martinez going and signing with the Dodgers on a one-year deal. Justin Turner, I don't believe it's been announced or official, but he's expected to sign with the Red Sox. And because the Red Sox already have a third baseman, Turner's expected to DH and possibly play some first base as well. Uh, how are you feeling about the, the Dodgers offseason? They've done a little bit. Not not a lot, man. <laughs> not a lot. Noah Syndergaard, J.D. Martinez, a lot of older guys. You know what I don't like? <clears throat> is that Kershaw's pitching in the World Baseball Classic? Oh, I is he? I don't like that. I mean, he's talk about injury prone and all the injuries. Now he's going to pitch in that. He doesn't need to pitch in that. I'm surprised starters are. Yeah, there have been I a just, couple that have been announced to, to start, but I didn't know Kershaw. That surprises was. me. They, that was announced this morning that he's going to pitch in that. I don't like that. Oh, good. He's, I like he's that. one guy who has to work himself up to actually not be hurt half the year. I like it. I'm on board because I'll be watching it. I'd, I'd rather see him pitching that than the regular season because I don't care about the Dodgers regular season. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not liking it at all. The World Baseball Classic is going to be fun. I'll watch it. It's going to be great. It's going to be happening at the same time as the NCAA tournament. So you're going to get the weekend of NCAA tournaments. And right. then during the week, let's watch the World Baseball, Baseball. Classic. It's going to be fun. I'm very excited for it, especially now to see Kershaw pitching. I'll be cheering for him for once. I'll be cheering for him. I'll be cheering for the good old USA, but still, um, he just gets hurt so often. And with his age, I, I'll leave it at this. I'm surprised he's pitching in it. I would. So here's, here's my guess. It's going to be happening right at the same time as the beginning of spring training. So I'm so guessing he's using that to work to, to, to build himself up. Well, I'm guessing if you're a starting pitcher, you'll probably start working yourself out a little bit earlier than usual because these are going to be, you know, higher intensity than spring training stuff. But I do, I, I'd have to guess, all right, Kershaw is pitching for Team USA. 
uh, Kershaw starting the tournament, he's going to throw 40 pitches and get through two, maybe three innings. Right. Like I'd have right. to guess that's right. the, it's right. not going to be, he's not going seven. He's not ready to throw a hundred pitches in right. March or something like that. So it'll be an interesting, uh, here's Kershaw for two. And then some other starter, we've got to throw two or three. And then we're going to as many relievers as we can possibly go to, uh, because there are, there are the, the relievers is going to look just like a normal, uh, back into the bullpen in baseball because relievers, all right, you got to get ready to throw one inning or something like right. that. So the, the bullpens will look fine, but it'll be like Kershaw will throw two. And then I don't know who it'll be. Are they going to have minor leaguers that are going to be the guys that are throwing five innings in a game because they're not quite as yeah. concerned about their workload in March. I mean, I haven't completely kept up with all the guys who are playing, but I don't know how many starters are actually going to take that right. chance. I don't know why. I don't know. He's at the end of his career. Maybe it's something he wanted to do. Because he's at the end of his career and he he seems like he thinks it's cool to do. I don't know. And like you said, if it's the beginning of spring training, maybe he'd be doing that anyway. Um, in terms of at least on the side, he doesn't pitch a lot in spring training games, but at least on the side, he'd be throwing enough. It's exciting. I'm ready for it. I'm also excited because the Astros are going to win the World Series again. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or at least the make best, it. They're the best team. They re-signed Michael Brantley. One-year deal, $12 million. Could be $16 because he's got some incentives in there. He had a shoulder injury in June. Didn't play in July on, obviously, through the postseason. He is, so he's 35, and he's coming off a shoulder injury. There's obviously concern that he's not going to be healthy. They're actually still waiting to see how he swings a bat, which is interesting that they signed him now. Uh, but if he is remotely close to who Michael Brantley is, the Astros have a lineup that is significantly better than it was last year. Yay. Significantly? Yeah, well, Yuli Gurriel was um, an 80 OPS plus guy last year. So he's 20% worse than the average hitter. They replaced him with Jose Abreu, who's like never been below 120 in OPS plus in his life. And now Michael Brantley, who, again, they didn't have for half the season and not in the postseason. If he's healthy, he is a 120 OPS plus right. hitter as well. And the Astros DHs went like one for 27 or something like that in the World Series. And that's effectively the at-bats that Brantley will be getting. They just added two significantly better hitters for their two biggest holes in the lineup last yeah, year. Like they needed that. They did. Their offense wasn't that good. They were only right. like ninth in runs scored last year. With the pitching, they needed that. Yeah. They needed to score more runs because their pitching stinks. Bullpen's entirely back, starting rotation. Yeah. Did lose the except, Cy Young winner in Berlander. Berlander. But they've got six legitimate major league level starters. Yeah. They're going to win the World Series again. I'm very excited. I'm excited, actually, for the schedule. I like the fact everyone's playing everyone. Yes. They just released the Dodgers against the Yankees in June uh, at Dodger Stadium. Like, I'm actually excited for that. I want to see them play everybody. You should go. Take some time off. Go watch them play the Yankees. What are you doing yeah, in June? Greenspan wouldn't approve the budget. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's in driving range. Oh, I don't you think don't even have to buy a flight. I don't think she'd approve the budget. It's in driving range. Uh, you don't know where. Get in the car. I genuinely... When I used to listen to the press box before we came on on Technically Correct, I genuinely thought her name was Greenspan. <laughs> <laughs> Get in the car, come of, on. Of, oh, last I did, night. I was very confused when you started saying her actual name, and I was like, who the hell was that? One last of the kids. night, uh, there was a big, big uh, brouhaha at the house between the uh, daughter home from college and Greenspan for uh, the temperature in the house. Oh no, she does that? Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. Greenspan. What, I think, what is had the it, temperature at? In I the think house. she had it at 63. Oh my 
God. <laughs> and and the daughter who lives in her her because of the windows her her uh, room is the coldest in the house by far. I mean it's in the summer it's an oven and in the winter it's an ice box. Yeah. And she came out and was not happy and. Uh, Needless to say, she didn't win that battle. It was like load up on your sweaters and get underneath the covers. That 63. was the that was the uh, message. Yeah, <laughs> we wear a lot of sweatshirts in our house. Mine's at seventy two <laughs> right now. <laughs>